a manifesto for family, a manifesto for our culture. I've got my friend Erica Renault on this week to tell us all about it. This is Matthew Garnett. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. This is the way I look at it. I started my senior year entering the 12-step program. I ended my senior year pregnant. So I'm starting to think this might be the year of interviews. I've done a couple of interviews so far this year, and they've gone great. I, and I'm just really feeling this, and I'm hoping to talk to some people and just bring some people in and bounce stuff off each other, and great ideas are coming out. Um, and I'm really honestly getting sick, not sick of it, but just bored with, I guess. Sick of it, I guess would be the okay word, of arguing with uh, people who can't argue back. And that sort of thing, um, discussing things with people who can't discuss back with me, and so we're we're gonna bring some some people on, see if some some good ideas that come out, and kind of the first in this lineup is is my friend Erica Parker, and she's she's a writer and a mother and a speaker, and she's got just an amazing story of her and her husband and, and her five children. We touch on family, we touch on uh, abortion, we touch on theology. We've got I've got I'm gonna have two segments on this. I'm gonna kind of weave these interviews in and out because I've got several of, the, uh, several of these lined up that hopefully will be uh, helpful to everyone. I know they were they were just a delight to conduct, and uh, we, we've got this one. I've got Dr. Daryl Bach coming up next week from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's the foremost guru on uh, progressive dispensationalism, and we talk politics and we talk uh, dispensationalism and kind of how that's affecting the the American evangelical landscape and what you know what evangelical churches should be doing to to reach out with with the gospel and kind of how all that's going and you know we we bump up against each other and and same thing with Eric and I here we we talk about tough stuff uh, some tough questions to her some tough questions to me and, and we really <coughs> come up with some just stuff that I, I think sheds light on what's going on in our cultural situation uh, you know from an on the ground perspective a lot of times we can talk about these things in you know philosophical and theological terms and we don't really see how they how they play out on the ground and we sometimes what, what I would call catastrophize things you know things like a teenager getting pregnant that's that's got to be the end of the world, right? That was kind of the, you know, one one big theme that came out when, when Eric and I talked is, hey, if you're a teenager and you get pregnant, man, that's it. It's over. You're you're nothing good is going to happen in your life. And Erica just completely disproves that. And I think that's a, uh, a, a um, kind of a fear mongering that, that goes on in our culture. And 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 it's, and it's just not true. Not that not that you should want to do that. And not that you should want to go and engaged in that sort of thing as, as a teenager and, and not that that situation isn't very very difficult for a lot of teenagers who do get pregnant but it doesn't have to be the end of the world and when you look at it from from a proper and when I say proper I mean a biblical perspective it ends up being a real blessing but before we get to Erica let me remind you to listen to us on KNNA The Cross in Nebraska thanks to everyone that's listening up there and welcome to the show also don't forget to go to layman's terms radio and donate to our kenya well project uh fifty dollars or uh sign up for our uh monthly donation of uh, of ten dollars a month through paypal 
uh, so we can get this well built. Again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. If, if your children had to go to school and carry five gallon buckets of water uh, from, the, from the local streams so they would have something to drink at lunch or you know, when it was break time they could go have a drink of water, that, that would not fly with you. You wouldn't go for that. You, you would know how disruptive that would be to their education. And so, you know, there's enough of us around here that if we gave $50 each, speech again and again, I'm going to keep beating this drum, give your $50, just rip it off quick like a Band-Aid, give your $50 and we can dig this well. And, and our friends uh, like Catherine and Daryl that we've, that we've talked about from, from Kenya can have this freshwater well and they can focus on their education. These kids walk miles to get to this school. And if they had this, imagine how much more energy and devotion, that all that all that devotion they give to, to going to the school, imagine how much of it they, they could put toward learning and, and how they could really contribute to turning things around there in Kenya. They're on their way, and, and they just need a little nudge from us, and all it takes is, is $50 from you, a one-time donation, and that's it, and, and we're off and running. So please give to the Kenya Well Project. All right, so I've got Erica Parker. Erica Parker. I don't know if I've been calling her that. Her name's Erica Renault. <laughs> I knew her when she was Erica Parker. She was a, she was one of my students in my in my old youth group. She is a, a story of what what happens when you trust God's word above your own feelings. Again, becoming pregnant when you're a teenager and and Erica did, uh, is can can be a life devastating thing, but it can also be a tremendous blessing. And when seen through the lens of scripture, again, you, you look at it and you think, okay, you know, she mentions in the podcast at one point, you know, while many of my classmates were, you know, prepping dormitory rooms, I, I was prepping a nursery. And if you look at that from a, a perspective of this is a curse on me, that this is, this is the consequence of, you know, my screw up, my sin, and that's all it is, and all, all I'll ever receive from it is punishment. Then, uh, then you get end up with a with a skewed perspective on things. But when you look at things from Scripture, again, we talk about putting Scripture above reason and emotion. When your emotion and your reason is telling you that all this can be is bad, and you forget what Scripture teaches about children and the blessing they are, then that's that's where you end up. You end up with this you know, catastrophe and it almost becomes, um, you know, a self self-fulfilling prophecy. It really does. You think it's going to be terrible. Every, all your emotions, all your reason is telling you it's going to be terrible. And guess what? It ends up being terrible. But when you trust in God's word above those things, then Erica is a prime example of what, what can come. I mean, we've been talking about these ideas of, you know, epistemology and how we know things. And, and Erica really exemplifies that idea. She put God's word above her reason and feelings, and that's what she followed. Uh, with that, let me turn you over to Erica and I as we discuss these matters. Here we go. Yeah, what's going on with you? You look like you just woke up and had to deal with children. I did. Yeah. No, I drove, catches the bus at 6.45 at Hannaford. Oh, right on. They're still going to the private school out there? Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Right on. So I dropped her off, came back, dealt with some stuff, and now I locked myself in the basement. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So nope. I should be, Jesse, uh, cool. Jesse should be bringing me a latte soon, but that. Oh. Should I hopefully be the only distraction? <laughs> All right, no, that'll be that'll be nice. Now, if yeah, if we need a break or whatever, that's that's totally fine. So, um, so how many children do you guys have now? Like fifteen, something like that. Some five, five. Are okay, we... so I missed it. So I put a one in front of the five. You got the five, okay? And you're yeah. you've got. Um, all the girls are going to the private school. And the boys are being homeschooled, or do you still have at homeschool? Homeschooled, okay. yeah. All right, so you got on the boys all day long. On the boys, yeah. Right on. Okay, all right. And so what, like, how did you get into this mess? I mean, you know, it's five children is a lot is a lot of kids. I mean, we've got we've got somebody at our church who has, like, nine. I think we maybe told you about this guy. He's a seminary, one of the seminary professors, and it's, well, it used to be, well, when we first got here, they all rode to church together, all, you know, 11 of them. And they had this van, and, it, and they just kept nice. coming out of there and coming out and coming out. And I was like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of kids. Um, and uh, yeah. what was weird, well, bef- I don't know, a while ago, I would have been like, that's crazy to have that many kids. But now we wish we could have that many kids, and we can't, obviously. Maybe we can talk about that some other time, but... Yeah, how'd you get in this mess of having, like, this litter of children? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, there's a lot to that. But I think the simple answer is, before Jesse and I got married, we always said we wanted between three and five kids. I come from a family of four. He comes from a family of nine. So three to five seemed pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that the base mentality is that children are a blessing. Yeah. So, you know, while while yes, children are expensive. While yes, your day is limited. While yes, da 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 da. There's implications of having children. If your baseline mentality is children are a blessing, uh, then it's sort of like the more the merrier kind of a thing. Yeah, that seems to make sense because. Well, and then now I've heard. Here's let me throw this at you because I've heard a couple of a couple of Lutheran women talk like this where. They don't even t- they don't even plan. They don't even say, "Oh, we're going to have between three and five children." They just say, "However many children the Lord gives us, that's what that's what we take." And we're kind of shaky. The Lutherans are back and forth on whether it's moral to use birth control and these sorts of things. Uh, yeah, you know, in what situations can you? Is it should you use birth control if it's a financial? You know, if you're starting to have financial hardship because of the, the amount of children you're having. That's a big. That's right. one of the big debates. I think that the one that we're pretty secure on is if you know, like if you're sick and if you have, and the doctor says, "Look, Erica, if you have another kid, so- something really bad could happen to you or the child or whatever." Then I think we're a little more flexible on that. It's been interesting to listen, but but the thing of it is, the um, you know, they'll they'll even bring it almost to you know a pro life stance where you know we're not the ones who decide how many children we have. That's that's in God's hands and that sort of thing. And so uh, how are, I mean, like, what, where do we land? Yeah, where do you guys land on like you and Jesse kind of land on that? Um, Jesse grew up. His parents were opposed to, you know, some some form of birth control other than abstinence, you know. Right. Um, so hence they have nine kids. 
Yeah. Um, that, I guess, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like each Christian is responsible to pray and seek God out for conviction. Um, so we, I mean, we are not, a, the, the reality is you are trying to control things, whether it's, you know, when you're engaging in intercourse with your husband or whether it's, you know, yeah. what you're using, uh, there, we do try to control, you know, procreation to some degree. Right. So, uh, I guess, I guess I feel like it's just what lengths do you go to control that? Right, right. No, that so. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm not real, you know, I've, I've got it. I mean, I'm not usually really opinionated. You know me. I don't have an opinion on anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but this is actually one that I'm not real, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost indifferent toward in a lot of ways. I mean, well, here's the thing, and I, I've told you guys this many times, that if, if we just keep having, ba- you know, we were worried about all these issues that are going on out there. And I'm thinking, you know what? If we just keep having babies, eh, we'll just outlive them. We'll outlast them. That's just, that's how it'll be. <laughs> yeah. We keep, we keep well, having babies and teaching them the way of Christ. Then, uh, yeah, we won't have anything to worry about because, uh, the, our, our, our opponents, our political and theological opponents tend to kill their children before they're born. You know, so then that's not good. It's not good, but uh, but that I mean, you, if you want to ensure a victory for, yeah. So that didn't mean. All right, so we're getting maybe too uh, <laughs> too deep, too quick here. All right, so what I really want to know well, is, or well, I want to so, hear. You, I want. I lo- I'd love to hear you tell about you and and Jesse and how all that came about. Mostly because it involves me, and uh, <laughs> I like to hear about myself. So. So tell me, tell that story again, and like, and, and tell us about your Christianity and LSSAS. Tell me about your Christianity, and I, lo- I love to hear that stuff. Like, so, okay. And I make you guys do this every time we get together for dinner, just so we can prolong the time, and you guys have to stay up really late and be annoyed by me. But so uh, we can relive good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> go there, go there for me. Well, um, I would say that I became a Christian in elementary school, um, just hearing about Christ, reading about him. Um, and as you know, because you are my awesome youth pastor, by the time high school hit, I had a rough go, um, with Christianity. It wasn't that I didn't, it's funny because it's not that I didn't want to be a Christian. It was just that like, I struggled a lot. So, you know, as I look at my heart, I was, I was, my desire to follow Christ wasn't ever not there. It was just lacking. Uh, it was just conflicted. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I struggled. Um, I think it was the beginning of senior year or shortly before, no, shortly before senior year started, you confronted me and said, hey, so we've heard some things about you and drugs and uh, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> concerts. Always, yeah, it's it's always the drug thing. Like, yeah, there's here's here's somebody who seems to have a lot on the ball who's doing drugs. 
me see if I can do something about that. That's uh, that was kind of my philosophy of ministry back then. Was here's 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 somebody who has a lot on the ball but has some problems, and maybe we can do something about. It. So anyway, so yeah, we did the whole twelve step thing. Yep. Uh, but yep. that didn't really help. I, did that help? Did that help at all? I've always no, wondered about well, that. Was that helpful? I, it was helpful while we were doing it. Right. But then as soon as we were not, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's funny because during it, you said, well, you know, I guess we'll see if this is helpful when we're all done. Right. Yeah. So well, by that standard, it wasn't helpful. Yeah. But, well, and that's that was one of the things I've always looked back on, you know, for that short time I was up there with you guys, was that whole thing was so much, everything was so dependent on me, you know, and, yeah. and not Christ. That was, that was one of the biggest problems I had with being a pastor, kind of in the pop evangelical world, was... It it was a lot a lot rides on the personalities of the people. You know, that's I mean that's yeah. and again I've told Jesse this many times, but that's that's what I worry about him is that you know people come to that church because he's a good worship leader, and if he left, people would stop coming to that church. And that's I'm not sure how great that is, and I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Yeah. Uh, but what? Well, yeah, I feel like you're looking. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. I think. What you did, though, was still good. I think I get what you're saying that it was dependent on you. It was dependent on, you know, you and I meeting. It was dependent on the accountability when it should have been dependent on Christ. And that's where I'd say, like, that's what the body of Christ is for. <laughs> like, well, we true. need each other yeah. to hold each other up. We need yeah. each other. You know, I love, you know, even in worship, which I feel like we could do a better job emphasizing this at church on Sunday, even in worship, I don't count on just hearing Jesse's voice singing from the stage. I count on hearing the person sitting next to me singing. I count on hearing the person behind me singing. It's, it's, uh, uplifting. It's encouraging. I need to hear those words from my neighbor, so to speak. Right. right. Um, that's part of, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's sort of the body's role. Yeah, is to hold each other accountable. Right, right. When I think support that support each other. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right, and that's something I figured out. I think even recently is, you know, and and I know you don't have to agree with your theology here, but I, I would say okay. I lost my faith, um, and then regained it. But when you know, I think that was a big key to me losing my faith was when, you know, when I started to isolate myself from everybody. And yeah. you know, I, know I didn't have any. I wasn't meeting with anybody for accountability, and I wasn't really going to church anywhere steady. Yeah. Uh, then st stuff starts to unravel very quickly, and I, and I think I put too much emphasis on like you're talking about on well, the method of how a certain church does something, which again I think has some of those elements. Yes, I think it does depend yeah. a little bit too much on personality, and I think that can be dangerous. But I, I think it's it's more what you're saying is it doesn't really matter even what's I mean it matters it does matter what goes on in a church what's taught the theology obviously it does I, I think that that can be you know really the the bedrock of uh, of things but at the same time if you don't have that uh, that element of community you know you're you're just not going to last you're just not going to last 
there's no yeah. way you can survive it in isolation. So, uh, that, you know, I think that's one thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah, well, and it's one of the, and that's, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I don't think, we, right. I mean, I don't think we're, we, we were created to be an entity on our own. Like, you know, the eyes, the ears, the hands, they're all yeah. meant to function together. Right, right. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't do that. And it shouldn't have been a shock to me that when <laughs> I'm interviewing, I'm now, I'm, now you're interviewing me, right? <laughs> shouldn't have been a shock to me when I uh talk to me Matt right <laughs> what a shock what I, I made this about me what a wow amazing um yeah it shouldn't have been a shock when I when I isolated myself off and I lost my faith that was you know that sh that should have been a no-brainer but but the, but the but the dirty little secret is is you know I was in that de depression spiral you know that one you know yep. where it's just like you want to you just want to hurt yourself more and more and more and see how, you know, see how bad it can, can get. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to you. Um, no, that's all right. Yeah. So once Fun diversion, yeah, no, once, so once I did my nonsense and it, and it, um, affected you because you were looking to me and then I was going into, into this crisis and then, so what happened to you? Yeah, so after the 12 step thing, um I don't know. I don't remember. It was like a slow fall back into the same old nonsense. Um Yeah, I don't know. I think I I get I feel like I started this is the way I look at it. I started my senior year entering the 12 step program. I ended my senior year pregnant. <laughs> Like talk to so I know like me as a guy, right? That that sort of thing is, you know, at that age, anybody interested, it's like, yes. Um, but <laughs> like from a female perspective, I mean, what were you? What was going on? What was your? So you were with this guy, and what? You know, give me your like, give me inside your head on that a little bit. Um. I had did not think I was going to get pregnant. If that's <laughs> if that's where you're going, nobody does. Yeah, nobody does. Right. Yeah. Uh, I did. Yeah, I certainly didn't think that was going to happen. We had a, for the most part, we had a great friendship. Um, I mean, it, it sounds really cliche, but it was sort of like a one night stand kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, so that that does a lot to what you was previously a friendship. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that changes things, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah. So finding that out was kind of like a, oh crap moment. Um, so is it, I don't, well, yeah. well, no. So it sounds like to me that you had a really good friend who was kind of yeah. there. I mean, here, here I was, I helped you through this 12 step thing. I'm imploding. Now all of a sudden you need a friend, right? And it's not that it's about me necessarily. It's, I keep, I know, so bad about that. But that, <laughs> but you had a good friend who, so that's really the connection, I think, right? That here's this guy, and so, so because you, I've heard, I mean, you can tell me if this is wrong or right. I've heard okay. that that women think differently than men sometimes, and that women and men tend to be have differences. Um, I've heard about that, but, but I've not confirmed that, uh, 
that re- that research. I'm not sure you could call it research. I've just heard. I've heard rumors that there are differences between men and women. So there are differences, contrary to the the culture at hand. There's wow. differences. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, was that is that a question or? Yeah, that's a question. That's a <laughs> that's a. So you were feeling. Uh. A, a good friendship with this person, which l- led to intimacy. Yes. For and you all had, you all had sex one time and you got pregnant. That's really bad luck. <laughs> I mean, generally well, speaking, I have five kids. And you do. You do. I don't have any trouble getting pregnant. <laughs> oh no, you don't. Okay, all right. Well, you're, you're yeah, you're fertile. Well, so maybe the five, yeah, I'm not sure the five's going to be, you know, there may not be anything for you just <laughs> until until the good Lord gives you a break. But, um, well, here's here's the other thing that that I've been thinking about a lot is I think guys get a bad rap on this, on this piece, because this, and this is what I tell both my children about sex is as a guy, I mean, I treat it treated sex as just some activity, you know, when I was a teenager. Yeah. And what I didn't realize it is that even as a guy, I was um giving you know, I was I was becoming emotionally you, you just become attached to people you have sex with. And even yeah. as a guy. It's not just an yeah. activity. And I think a lot of people have that misconception that that men don't have any emotional anything to do with sex. They just want to have sex and they don't care. And I don't yeah. think that's true. And I don't think there's any research to back that up. I think that the way men feel intimacy or, or experience intimacy is fi- a lot of times physically. And so when yeah. they do it with, when they have that intimacy with a bunch of different women, it really screws them up. I mean, that's, you know, I'm just about yeah. halfway to the crazy house, I think, in my for my part, because... That's how me and my friends looked at sex when we were teenagers. Yeah. And that is really no, unhealthy it, yeah. for guys too. Well, it's a, I, I think it's really a shame that, you know, sex has that, that culture has tried to separate emotion and yeah, a heartfelt intimacy from physical intimacy. I think the culture tries to say, you know, it is a, uh, physical connection. That's all. Even this, um, I didn't actually read it, so I feel bad referencing it, but the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing, yeah. kind of holding up this ideal of just a physical, you know, I don't know, lust at its highest kind of a thing. Um, and I, that's not how we, we were created. <laughs> I, right. We weren't created to, to engage uh, with our bodies and not our hearts. The two are very closely linked and tied and were intended to be. Uh, so to, to try to deny that is silly. Yeah. Well, and it's... And I it's, mean, you're trying to separate yourself. You're, you're trying to separate your flesh from your heart in a sense. And that's not uh, that's, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. And I mean, we've known this for... Or we should have known this for thousands of years. I mean, so are you familiar with the Gnostic heresy? That's no. Yeah, so the, so there's nothing new under the sun, right? The Gnostic heresy is thousands of years old and but it but it taught that that the body was evil and the soul was good and the two were separate. It taught this dualism of humanity and 
that's just not true. The two, you're absolutely right. So you just called out the Gnostic heresy without knowing it. That's, I mean, um. yeah, <laughs> mic drop right there. But, uh, but that's right. The two are, two are connected. And I think for women, you got, I think it's the, the process to physical in- intimacy is the same except reverse. So you, yeah, emotion comes first. Right. For you women, the, and, the relationship, the friendship yeah. leads to that. And for the men, the the physical intimacy l- leads to the to emotional, emotional intimacy and the thing of it is is that guys they they don't they think that they can engage in that and then not have it lead to the emotional intimacy uh but then it does and then they're kind of yeah. left and then and then if there's if it's a one night stand type of thing or if they're you know if they're thinking well you know the the most sexual pleasure i can have is you know with multiple partners in varied ways um, they're left empty at the end of that, and they don't—they don't even realize what's what's going on. And then, and then eventually, you know, the, the conscience becomes hardened, and you just, right. and then, and now, you, now you can't even engage in an in an intimate relationship. Right. Well, and I think that's what happens when you when when sex becomes, well, yeah, you do have to kind of harden your conscience in order to uh, pursue sex in that regard. All right. So, you, or as a result of, or in order to, right. Know. Yeah, no, that's right. I think, and then that's the thing is, and I, I mean, I'm an emotional guy, I know, but but that I just refuse to believe that doesn't haunt guys. They might act like act all tough and everything like that, you know, after their college sex conquests. But it seems like the tougher they act, the harder their conscience is, and they're trying to to block out that pain, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, it just kind of drives me a little crazy. And, and, you know, I just think about, golly, that's, you know, that, that stuff, you know, I still have, uh, you know, problems with that. I told you about, uh, that one, I don't know if you remember a while, a long time ago when I used to play drums for Jesse, seems like so long ago, maybe a few years ago, but I keep having these recurring nightmares about this girl I used to date in high school. And I just, I can't get her, I can't get her out of my mind. And Jen knows about her. I've, told, I've talked to Jen about this all the time. Drives her crazy. She thinks I'm stupid. She's like, just forget it and move on. And I'm like, but I can't. I mean, I have this connection with this person, and I can't, I can't get her out of my mind. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Well, it's, that, that's the thing. Like we were, uh, you know, Matt Chandler. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. He um, he talks about sex, and I forget where he gets it from, but he calls it the mingling of souls. Yeah. Think that's so absolutely the right. idea, you know, this it's really, you know, I think our we want to say we can have sex void of that connection. Well, no, you can't mingle souls right. and walk away, right? Uh, unscathed. Right. I mean, yeah, you can walk away, but yeah, it's just contrary to the desi- to our design. Right, right. That's I think that's absolutely right. I mean, that yeah, that's in that's me. I'm you know very school hard knocks type of person. Oh yeah, that. You say that doesn't work that way, God. I'll ah, let me give it a shot and see if I can make it happen. But um, <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, I've experienced exactly what you're talking about firsthand. Yeah, we and we've got a pastor um, in, in in Missouri. His name's uh, Jonathan Fisk, and he talks about the exact same thing. It's just he talks about you know you've got a I, I don't remember the exact illustration, but it's almost like you have a deck of cards. You start off with you know with with your with your sexuality, and every time. You know, even you know, even holding hands, kissing, this sort of thing, you get you give a little bit of that away every time, and you can never get it back. Oh, he describes it as glue. Every time you do oh. something like that with somebody else, you do, it's 
impossible to pry that that apart and you always lose yeah. a little bit of yourself and depending you know how far along the line you go uh the, the stronger the glue is uh and, and it has effect and that's the thing is that's that's what i find missing especially in our pop culture is uh, in the talk of all this you know with the me too and all that other stuff is you know nobody nobody's talking about the guys you know they think guys are just a bunch of sexual animals and they don't care you know, they just want to have sex and they don't, that's just not true. And I, and again, I don't think any of the psychological research shows that. I just wish a few more people would talk about how, you know, guys are not just, they, they can't just go out and have sex and never mind it. And that it's right. different for women and they get emotionally involved. No, no, the guys do too. The guys do too. And that's why. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, so anyway, you're pregnant. I mean, not right now, but you were pregnant. No, <laughs> I was and so, pregnant. And so then, then what happened? You became homeless and what started to panic. What happened? My parents threw me out. Everybody disowned me. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens in the Christian church, Miss Renault, Mrs. Renault, I should say. We, you, when you get pregnant without authorization, we throw you out. That's what happens. Everybody knows that's what happens in the Christian church. Yeah, anyway, public declaration of apology. Right, right. Right. Uh, anyway, no, so what no. happened? Thankfully, my story was nothing like that. Um, so, you know, I told my parents that was they were um, disappointed. Um, like, it, I don't know how you could be disappointed, but like still love and be supportive at the same time. That's what they were. Right it's on. not like they were disappointed. Look away from me. You know, it was like disappointed. Hug me sit with me, cry with me, talk this through. Right. Uh, so not like a disappointment. And I, you know, and I feel like I really let them down. I mean, I did, but I, you know what I feel like, especially as a parent now, they really could have taken my sin upon themselves and been like, this is a reflection of us as parents. Yeah. Um, and at this point they had been working with young life ministry and they'd been working with the church ministry and they could have really taken, you know, taken my stuff on as like, now this makes me look bad. Uh, yeah. And they didn't. I mean, maybe they did in their heads. I don't know. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, they didn't. Um, they were super um, loving, supportive. I mean, like one morning when I was throwing up in the toilet, my mom threw a rag at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know like a, you brought this on yourself kind of thing um, but i honestly don't remember that she i only re, i only know that because she's apologized like 10 times for oh. it but i had no recollection of her like throwing a rag at me like in frustration right uh, yeah well so yeah so they were great yeah um they were great uh we you know, I feel like there was uh, some relationship tension at that point. I think, you know, the person who was my friend was now a father to a kid in a sense. And so he was ready to take the relationship up a notch, I think. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was not where my mind was headed. Yeah. He really got the short end of the stick in regards to my emotions. Mm. I, You know, you talk about a woman becoming emotional during pregnancy i did for sure yeah. um i really wanted nothing not i don't want to say i wanted nothing to do with him 
but I was not, um, I did not, I didn't want to further the relationship. That's interesting. Um, and, and what, what was your, I mean, did, did abortion ever enter the, enter your mind? Oh gosh. I had been prepped. Yeah. Since before birth, I think. Okay. So ne- that was never even a question. It was not a question. I mean, it was a question that people asked me, um, but I am so, so thankful to say that that was not something that I ever seriously gave thought to for a second. Um, I think I've told you the story. When my mom first became a Christian, she literally became a Christian through a 1-800 number. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. She's told me the story before, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. It's a great story. So she's watching some televangelist. I don't know who. I don't even know if she remembers who. She called the 1-800 number on the screen. Uh, she had been raised Catholic, but never heard about conversion or receiving Christ or the Holy Spirit or anything. So she prays on the phone, and um, and the person on the line you know, prays with her and she, the person on the line says, okay, you know, now start speaking in tongues as the spirit leads. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but thank you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, so that's great. But anyway, so she ends this phone conversation that day. Um, my dad came home from work and I forget what my mom said, but he, he says to my mom, Susan, were you born again today? And she goes, "That's a weird question to I ask." Yeah, she goes, "I don't, I don't know. What do you mean?" And then she goes on to say that she received Christ for the what she would say is the first time in her life um, that she received Christ and uh, was changed. Yeah. So her first conviction was on the issue of abortion. She would clearly say today that the first thing the Holy Spirit convicted her of was the issue of abortion, because until then she had been pro-choice. And she said it was just like a night and day, like the fog had lifted, that it would just seem so clear now that life is from God. Uh, It is not to be tampered with or taken away. So... From that point on, she became avid in the pro-life movement. So I have, I mean, I literally have a picture. I posted it recently of me, five years old, standing on the corner with a sign that says, uh, abortion kills children. Yeah, right on. So she didn't know at that time that she was going to have a fourth child, for one, because I was a surprise. (laughs) She didn't know that she was going to have a fourth child, that that child would grow to be pregnant at the age of 17. Um, and would be presented by several people uh, this question of why not have an abortion. Um, but God knew, and God prepped that whole situation yeah. by convicting her of um, of the issue of abortion. So, yeah. Well, tell me what it was. So, evidently, when you get pregnant as a teenager, that is like the end of the world. Like it's just your <laughs> life is over. You, you all, you know, you're just going to be, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, from what I understood yeah. as well, so we did the generation I grew up in was the big sex ed generation, you know, where they're trying to teach us about sex. And they said, you know, it's like, do whatever you do. Don't get pregnant. Here's all these ways you can avoid getting pregnant because if you get pregnant, then 
The world's the over. The world's over. It's over. Life it is, is over. Life is over. So is So what yeah, I mean, I was reading maternity books while my classmates were reading calculus books. I was prepping a nursery room while my classmates were prepping a dormitory room. Okay. Um, you know, I'm buying bigger clothes that were to fit my growing body and they're just buying college clothes. I don't know. Maybe yeah. their body's growing, but it's probably from beer, you know. Um <laughs> So actually, my aunt said, she's like, yeah, I noticed you're a little bit pudgy in the mix section. She said, I thought it was like a freshman 20. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, there's more to it than that. <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, life, well, I mean, my life didn't end. Uh, it actually turned out to be a beautiful and happy beginning. But th- the thing that's crazy, I think, about that as adults, you sort of forget as a teen time is so different as an adult. I could hang on, you know, what I did a year ago feels like yesterday as a teen, what I did a month or three months ago, I could be a totally different person now. Yeah. Yeah. So I really didn't, you know, throughout my pregnancy, I don't feel like I carried around this guilt or this feeling like I ruined my life. I just didn't have that. Um, if anything, um, if anything, it was more just like, well, this is, this is the reality of, of, you know, of what happens when you have sex, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like now everyone else is seeing it, but, um, you know, this is just the, the reality of it. So, um, yeah, so I would say there was, you know, probably about three months, there, I think there was some just initial confusion and kind of getting wrapping my head around this idea that, okay, I'm going to have a baby. And then I think there was like a good three month turnaround where over the course of that time, um, I was able to just gradually let go of those things that had constantly conflicted me as a teen and just gradually let those things go they slowly became um, meaningless. You know, the idea of, I, I remember actually, so I was driving to Walmart with a friend and he lights up a joint and he's, he offers it to me. And I was like, no, that's all right. Mm. And in my head, I was like, huh, I guess not because I have a baby in my belly. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like I shouldn't do that. And that was the first time I, you know, but that's the first time I acted as a mother. Yeah, right I was on. Like, no, I guess not. And from there on, it was just a slow turning from, you know, suddenly those things weren't so appealing to me anymore. People hanging out with certain people weren't appealing, drinking drugs, uh, boyfriends. Yeah. So None of that was appealing anymore. Yeah. So st- uh, stuff got real real fast. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny cause I look back and I think it probably should have gotten real like immediately. It didn't, it still took, you know, several months, but it, but it did eventually get real. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was real immediately for my parents, but yeah. so what now dad, did he, did he want to marry you? Did he offer to marry you? What's, you know, kind of, Oh gosh, I don't, I mean, no, maybe, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't think so. I mean, his he, mom, yeah, I mean, his mom sat me down and was like, so I think we're beyond the days of, you know, rushing off to get married. And I think she, I think maybe she was a little nervous that because I was coming from a Christian home, that that would be what my parents would want or that I felt like I should do is like quickly marry him. Yeah. So she said, I think we're beyond the days of like rushing off to get married when you get pregnant. You know, unfortunately, my heart just became embittered so quick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say immediately, but pretty quickly. Um, I remember he wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl. And I didn't want to tell him. Like, yeah. I'm not sure why, but I just didn't want to tell him. And I remember I told, this is really it's sad to look back on, but when I was <laughs> pregnant, he was talking about, you know, seeing the baby. He was excited to see the baby. I mean, he was still a great guy, still very, like, sweet and kind and trying to do, I think, the right thing, even though there's just this whole whirlwind of stuff going on. Um, but he was saying he was excited to see you know, to meet her when she was born. And I flat out said, I was like, I'm not excited for you to meet her. <laughs> I said, I feel like she's just this precious gem that no one deserves to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, you went, you, you went straight on, uh, you know, full on mother bear right away. It sounds like. <laughs> mother um, bear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, do you think you would have married him? Had he offered, had he, I mean, if he... um, I've made, I mean, maybe if he see the, the, the faith was just not there. Yeah. And at that point I was spiritually, there was a lot going on. Um, you know, whereas in high school, my heart was constantly conflicted. Now for the first time I was experiencing being able to pursue Christ without all this extra baggage. And, um, for the first time really seeing uh, his love, his affection, his greatness, his power. Um, yeah, I feel like my eyes are just blew wide open, um, with his awesomeness, but in a true sense of the word. Right. Um, I don't know that we could ever fully comprehend that. But for me, it was the first time that I, I was like, holy cow, I think this is what you would call just like a wholehearted, like I'm like, I am all in. I remember him asking like, are you happy as a Christian? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And he's like, I'm just thinking what it would be like, you know, for our daughter to be raised as a Christian. And I was like, well, she's going to be raised as a Christian. <laughs> I was so snarky and rude. But, well, yeah. you were you were yeah. te you were a pregnant teenager, Eric. Give yourself a break. Um, <laughs> so, so now what? Now, how does he feel about that now? Now, it seems like very strong in her faith, baptized child of God. Um, yeah. How does he feel about that? And, and his maybe his parents. I don't know. Is that a source of conflict? Any at the at this point in time? Um. Probably, you know, we have very different life uh, perspectives, I guess. Sure. Um, I think they would, I think they just see things so differently. So, and they know that this is the environment which is raised. Uh, we've actually talked about this before. 
that I never, you know, I don't want them to, I wouldn't want them to lie to her about their beliefs or anything like that. I don't want them to um, actively cause confusion for her right. or actively fight for, um, you know, this is really how things should be kind right. of a thing. Right. So I know they share her, their opinions with her. And honestly, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I mean, that is who they are. Yeah. So they, they share, they probably talk about politics way more even than we talk about politics. Okay. Um, so I know that she's hearing both sides, but I also know that they're not trying, they're, they're not pulling at her. They're very much being themselves. Yeah. No, so that's good. So they're, yeah. they're they're showing some some good liberal tolerance there, I guess. Has have you yeah. noticed her questioning you about stuff because of you know, like something they might have said? Does she come to you and say, "Hey, mom, you know"? Um, oh my gosh. Well, yeah. Well, yes. We at this stage we have thoughtful conversations. Um, she will ask about things. She also knows that our vantage point is just much different. Um, the awesome thing is there's a ton of things we do agree on. <laughs> um, her, up until recently, her father worked at a prison hmm. working with the inmate inmates and, um, doing like a music program for them. He would sketch their faces, which is a huge, uh, I don't want to say a nuance, maybe novelty is a better word because they don't have, um, you know, they don't really see their reflection except in something non-glass right 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 those, or, those you know. aluminum yeah um, yeah right no one's taking pictures of them kind of they're sort of this like faceless population mm. so uh, especially when you're in there for such a long time so to have someone come in and draw your picture draw your face you know a sketch of your face or whatever it's a, a it's a cool a really special thing yeah anyway he sees the the ability to redeem the inmate um, like no one I know in my life, hmm. which I think is really lacking in the Christian community. Um, just that the, I think it's really easy to write off prisoners. Yeah. It's really easy to remove them from society. So things can be nicer for us right. instead of doing things that are actually helpful. Um, right. so, so I think that's excellent. Yeah. So that's just an example. There are a lot of things that we do agree on. And those are the things that I highlight. And those are the things that I talk about. And if there is a, a question, she'll, she will ask. I mean, we were talking about the wall the other day. Yeah. Um, and that was, it didn't, the conversation didn't really go anywhere. We were just kind of talking about, you know, different people's thoughts and ideas on it. And, um, but yeah, she's so, she, she loves to speak her mind and ask questions. She's really not, I don't really worry about her. Um, you know, being this like closed box that like, I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on in her head. Likely I'm going to know what's going on in her head. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Those... We can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the ideal teenager actually. <laughs> right. But that's, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to go on with Isaac. He's, he's up in the air right now, but God be praised. Amelia is very like, I've always said, Amelia, you will always get forgiveness here. <laughs> You always will. Yeah. The worst yeah. thing you can do is hide stuff from us. Yeah. A, because you're cutting yourself off from me particularly. And B, yeah. because you know your mother's going to find out anyway. <laughs> she <laughs> finds out everything. 
So there's no sense in trying to hide anything from us because eventually we're going to find out and then we're going to be twice as angry with you about the fact that you tried to hide this from us instead of discuss it with us. Because yeah. if you would have just yeah. opened up and said, hey, I'm doing this and, you know, I just want to let you guys know no matter what it is, yeah. you know. Yeah. So she's, yeah. she's pretty good about uh, about that sort of thing. Now, have you found that uh, dad and, and his family have kind of raised an eyebrow at how you and Jesse are, are raising the children and been like, you know, that's not such a, you know, we've heard things about these Christian, these weirdo Christians, yeah. but it's not such a bad way to raise a family and have children. And I mean, have they verbalized yeah, any of well, that to you? So that's, no. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's a whole crazy thing. Um, so let me start with this. We have an excellent relationship with, you know, Jesse and I, my husband mm. and his birth father have an excellent relationship, which is, I would say, tribute ultimately to God. People all along the way, especially when he was younger, there were stupid things that would happen um, that that were, you know, that, I don't know, that were really, that were frustrating, I guess. And, um, and people would say, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, or, you know, if you missed a visit, then that's on him, you know, you don't need to adjust your calendar, blah, blah, blah. Sort of like a tit for tat or like a lay down the law kind of an attitude. Right. That's not us. That's not Jesse's personality. That's not my personality. Well, I mean, it was for a little while there with the mother bear yeah. <laughs> instinct. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's just not the way Christ calls us to do things either. So, um, so despite 99% of people's advice, uh, we have a great relationship. Or wait. Did that make sense? That makes sense. No, it it, it yeah. does. Um, and yeah. I think I think that's that's a positive, because again, I think, and I think this happens both ways, that we we kind of stereotype, you know, other people that don't think like us, and we think, well, all of them think like this, and all of them behave like that, and we yeah. don't ever really bother to get to know individuals. You know, we don't. Yeah. We don't really see. Well, yeah. Yeah, right. And so so what's crazy as things went on and um, and he's also very gracious and flexible as well. Yeah. So I'm sure there's things that have frustrated him, not only our worldview, uh, but just, I, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so so we've we've both we've established this relationship, I think, of grace and understanding, which has been excellent. But the other thing is I. I thought for a long time, I just sort of assumed that they uh, didn't like the way we did things because we were a Christian family, that we that they didn't like the things we were teaching or the things that, I don't know, the, the way that we did things. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I just assumed that they um, didn't care much for us. But um, not that they ever treated us badly because they that they treated us great. But I just assumed that, yeah, but they don't really like us. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, how so did the they? Crazy thing, well, what? I was going well, to ask you, how did they handle the whole homeschooling thing? Because that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, he did say, I don't want you to homeschool her. I mean, he tried not to be offensive about it. <laughs> right. I was offended, but of course. he tried not to be. I mean, he said basically, like, she's raised in a Christian environment. I think, like, you know, from my perspective, she gets enough Christian. I would like her to go to school. 
Yeah. Yeah. A secular school. Right. And he was um, probably probably had fears that he, she he wasn't get, she wasn't going to get an adequate enough education when right. when all be well rounded. Right. Yeah. Well, and when and when all the statistics show that actually the homeschool educations are the best. I've got <laughs> I've got a a teenager in my Bible class at church who's 16 and she's a junior in college. Been wow. homeschooled her whole life. She's a junior in college now. Wow. <laughs> Computer programming. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when oh, she's, wow. she's, yeah. she's sharp as a whip, obviously, but still, I mean, just, it just goes to show you that, you know, and if you do the actual research on it, you'll, you see that the homeschool kids do just fine. And, and a lot of times better than, yeah. than the public, I mean, the public school education is so, I mean, that's the whole reason we moved to Fort Wayne, but yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's interesting. But that has he changed. I, and, and for him, I think it was more a worldview. Like he wanted her to have more of a worldview, not a Renault view. Oh, I got you. Well, that makes, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, for, well, and that's, that's the thing. I always thought the Renaults were, I was like, these people are cult. They're in, they're in a cult. They're cultish. They're, you know, look, what are they doing? You know, but I mean, look, but you just have to look at all those, all those kids, you know, and how they, yeah. how they've turned out and, you, it's very difficult to argue against um, yeah. this whole idea, you know, and, and the whole idea of, well, oh, you don't want to, you know, my mom tells me this, you know, I'm worried about, because I home, obviously homeschooled Isaac for a little while. And she's like, well, you know, I'm worried about him being sheltered and, and this sort of thing. And I've completely changed my tune on that. I think you should shelter your children. You know, you they don't need to, yeah. to, to take on the world full face until they're older, <laughs> You know, and they- see, yeah, I'm, so yeah, there's so many different perspectives on this and I wouldn't want to, and, and I think it's another area where Christians need to be sure of their own convictions. The kind of the homeschool mentality is, look, if you have uh, a seed that you want to plant and see be a strong tree, let's say, or a plant or whatever, um, you're not just going to throw it in the woods. Yeah. You're going to put it in a greenhouse. <laughs> yeah. You're going to put it in an environment where you know it's going to thrive. You're going to keep, you know, so that when it is strong, you put it out there with the wind and the elements and whatnot. You don't just, you know, leave it up to chance. Um, you yeah. know, you do, you do what you can to, to, um, to help your children grow and thrive. Right. So that's right. kind of the homeschool perspective, I guess. Good stuff from Erica there. Thanks for everybody listening in Nebraska and on KNNA The Cross. And please give your $50 to the Kenny Well Project at laymanstermsradio.org. And we'll see you next week.